0: This will be the most different of episodes and series this week that we've ever done. And we're going to try something different because we love this tool as a way to communicate with our listeners, with folks that are curious about issues in Florida and what's going on in the hunting and fishing and conservation space. And we thought... What a great opportunity to talk about something that we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast, but is coming up again, and that is the topic of restricted hunting areas. So if you are new to the show, last week we did the Start Here episode for new listeners, first-time listeners. If you're new to the show, this week is not going to be our normal format at all. We deviate from that, you know, a few times a year. But this week, every day, I'm going to release an episode. It's going to be, goal is between 10 and 20 minutes long. Talking about various aspects of the restricted hunting area rule proposed by FWC, our Florida Wildlife Commission, that is going to be presented at their commission meeting on August 4th. So if you guys will indulge me, if you'll bear with me, if this is not a topic you care about or you're not interested in learning more about it or hear my perspectives on it or anything else, totally understand it's icast week i'm gonna be at icast this week i'm super excited but we wanted to get this information out there it's a good opportunity for us to get this information out there and it's a great tool for us to be able to communicate it well in an effective hopefully clear and concise way Um, i get asked a lot by a lot of listeners who have listened to our show for a long time yeah what is that with the restricted hunting areas because it's a thing that we have talked about before so let me let me level set here. That's what today's episode is going to be about. It's kind of setting a baseline for the discussion for the rest of the week. You guys feel free to reach out and ping me, text me, call me, DM me if you have any questions about this, and I'll do my best to get back to you on it. I may farm it out some because I've got a bunch of folks that are just as informed on this as I am. Been helping me kind of put together some positions and things. But first off, let me go ahead and give you some vocabulary. We are going to talk this week about restricted hunting areas, and I'm going to refer to them pretty frequently as RHAs. So if you hear me say RHA, I mean restricted hunting area. We have done at this point four podcasts on restricted hunting areas. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'll try to get those and put them into the show notes for you guys, but we did one back in the fall. Dan Daniels joined us, and he and I debated around the merits of RHAs. And then we did another one, uh, I think in January of 2021, where Dan joined me again and we bandied about restricted hunting areas. And then we did what's called a bonus episode in the last month or so where we have the commissioner's meeting from February. And we have kind of the raw audio from that commissioner's meeting. We put that out there for you guys to listen to. uh, So you could, you could kind of hear the commissioner's thought on the proposed rule. And then about two and a half, three years ago, I know this number by heart because it's the only one we ever did this way. Episode 81 and a half was actually on the Castleberry restricted hunting area. This is the first episode I ever did by myself without Nate or Emily. So all that's to say, there's a lot of other information out there. Uh, If you listen to those, we learn things over time, stuff changes, positions change a little bit because we, we learn, New information, So it's one of the things we've always committed to you guys is we are okay saying we're wrong. We're okay learning. We're okay uh, taking different perspectives, but we just want to grow and have the conversation. And that's how we really move the ball down the field. So I've mentioned a couple of times here. Again, this episode is going to be baseline setting. I've mentioned the term commissioners meeting. So if you don't know, FWC, which I'll refer to a lot, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is the agency that is entrusted to manage our wildlife resources. That's that's really kind of their motto or goal. I'm not saying it well. They have a, a really nice, well-written mission statement, but that's what they do. They manage fisheries. They manage uh, game animals. They manage all other animals, so manatees and panthers and skunks and frogs and amphibians, and you name it, they manage it in the state. They also manage um some degree of like lakes and rivers and water bodies. Obviously, there's some conjunction and crossover between them and other agencies like Department of Environmental Protection or the Army Corps of Engineers or water management districts when you get into some of the details of managing those water bodies. But for the most part, FWC is a managing entity of those. And they manage, again, the wildlife and the resources on that lake or those water bodies. So we've talked about FWC. We've talked about, oh, commissioners. That's what I need to tell you about. So I think it's four or five times a year. FWC has what is called a commissioner meeting. And these are civilian trustees that are appointed by the governor. And and so you, you serve a term, you may span governors. So there's some there that were appointed by Governor Rick Scott. There's some that were appointed by Governor DeSantis uh, at, under his current administration. And... These folks sit there and they listen to the agency experts, the the game management people, the fisheries management people, the, the habitat species conservation people. They listen to them present rules, and then they listen to public comments on those rules, input on those rules. A rule comes to them usually in a draft form. So it's presented in a draft form. They listen to it. They make comments and or recommendations for revi- revisions to it. Then the staff, the actual agency employees, the staff, go back with that rule. They work it, massage it around, bring it back, and present it to them again. And it could go back, you know, in multiple iterations. I don't think I've ever seen one more go, go more than three. I'm sure that's happened before, but I don't think I've ever seen one go more than draft, draft. And then they bring what's called a final rule, and they bring that. They present it. The commissioners approve it as the final rule, and then it becomes a rule. It basically becomes a enforceable rule by the agency uh, around the idea of wildlife resources, whatever they are again. So that's how the process for getting a rule works within the context of FWC and game management in the state of Florida. All right. Uh, You're going to hear me mention a couple of other words this week. And these what I want to do with this episode is take the time to define some of these things you're going to hear me talk about. So one of those is, uh, the idea of spatial separation. You're going to hear that term come up quite a bit. And what spatial separation means in in layman's terms, in, in common vernacular, is it's a space between two things. You have spatial separation. I have spatial separation between me and the doors in of my office because I'm not adjacent to them. So uh, in the terms of this conversation we're going to have around RHAs is that there is a belief from the agency That spatial separation will lead to a growth in hunter acceptance. And by hunter acceptance, I don't mean hunters accepting it. I mean the general public accepting hunting as a thing that should exist on the landscape. So one of the big problems in the hunting world is people don't accept hunting. They don't approve of hunting. I forget the approval rate. I think it's around 84% nationally. So 84% of people approve of hunting. If you start to add words in like elephant hunting or trophy hunting or duck hunting or bear hunting, there's varying levels of where does that land on the approval rating. But generally speaking, the term hunting, 84% approval rating nationally. Uh, another word you're going to hear me toss around a lot is is a uh, an, an acronym is critical wildlife areas or CWAs. Uh, this is a thing that I'm going to draw some parallels to as the week unfolds to restricted hunting areas and critical wildlife areas are a thing created by FWC. They are areas of significant importance to wildlife. Uh, I'll make one up A, a wood stork rookery, which is an endangered bird that we have in Florida. If you decide that they're nesting, let's say on an Island in Charlotte Harbor, the agency will send someone out there. They'll do some inspections, some look around some, some uh, surveys and whatnot, and say, yeah, this is an important, this, this habitat is so significant and important. You know, it's a five acre Island, but these birds use it to nest and to, to, uh, oh, was it fledge their young? And we, we realize this is significant. So we're going to designate it as a critical wildlife area, a CWA. And when they do that, and you'll hear this again later in the week, but when they do that, they actually will ring it off with signs. And you don't go past those signs. You can't cast past those signs if you're fishing. You can't shoot past those signs if you're hunting. You can't kayak past those signs if you are bird watching or just kayaking. They are legitimately saying we are putting this island, this space, this whatever into a preservation mode because it is so significantly important to the wildlife. And the agency, to their credit, does not pass those out like candy you had a farm and you said, we need to designate something here as a critical wildlife area. They're going to come do a pretty thorough inspection of it. Give it the once over pretty heavily examine it to determine, does it get a CWA? I'm going to leave that conversation right there for now, because I don't want to dive too deep into it today, but CWA term, you're going to hear quite a bit over the next few days. The other things I think that should be given or known is if you haven't listened to that bonus episode I mentioned, which was about a month ago, like I said, um, you will hear, you will hear, that was the February commission meeting. You will hear a developer at the very beginning, you can listen to the first five minutes and get this. You will hear a developer talk about a WMA, Orange Hammock WMA, which is going in in Sarasota County. I think this is the first year of that WMA. Orange Hammock is gonna open and this developer owns a parcel next to it. And and I say this developer, this gentleman may have been representing the developer, but I'm gonna call him the developer because it makes the story just easier to tell. But this gentleman, um, represents the developer, and he asks the commission to put a buffer into the wildlife management area, the WMA, to protect the folks that are going to be in the development from the fears of gunfire and hunting that goes on in the WMA. If you're not familiar with the WMA, wildlife management areas are managed by FWC. They are parcels of land in the state that are set aside for recreation, and hunting is to my knowledge, always part of the recreation plan on those. So as well as bird watching and photography and jeeping and lots of other things, but they are limited usually in quota, meaning there's a limited number of folks that can get into them and you can hunt from edge to edge. It's important to know about that conversation because I think there are some parallels we're going to draw to that conversation as the week unfolds. The other thing that's important to know is uh, the restricted hunting area rule, which I'm going to talk about briefly here in just a second, is uh it does not impact wmas so th- that's just an important thing you're going to hear me refer to it over and over and over again this week the restricted hunting area rule does not impact wmas it does it not impact federal lands it does not impact those those types of things that's specified out in the rule so what is the rule that we're talking about restricted hunting area rule um, about ooh, and this history is covered by, by George Worth and the director of hunting and game management in that same commission meeting, uh, podcast, but briefly back in the fifties, sixties, uh, municipalities didn't want people hunting on their lakes. So they asked the commission to put a stop to that or create a rule around that. And they created what they called the bird sanctuary rule. The bird sanctuary rule was born, I think in the late fifties, early sixties. Uh, There's approximately a hundred and some odd of these around the state between bird sanctuaries and RHAs. Um, I have that list. I'll I'll get that detail together. Uh, Bird sanctuaries were not really created to be bird sanctuaries. They were created kind of to be restricted hunting areas. Now I'm, I'm interpolating a lot of data here. You can go listen to that commission meeting if you want to make your own, draw your own conclusions around it, but that's kind of why they were created. And over time, it was realized that, hey, these aren't really intended to be bird sanctuaries. And out of that rule was born the CWA rule, the critical wildlife area rule. So we have bird sanctuaries. I'm going to say around 2010, 11, somewhere in there, we said, hey, we need another designation. That is the critical wildlife area designation. And over time, we have created the restricted restricted hunting area designation out of that rule. So part of FWC's goal with this new rule, and this is a correct goal. And I, this is a thing we're, we're, I disagree with the agency on the rule that they presented, but I recognize what they're trying to do. And I want to be as fair as I can possibly be as I, as I'm unpacking this, because I want you guys to understand where we're coming from on it. Part of the agency's goal is the bird sanctuary rule needs to go away. And I agree with them on that bird sanctuaries don't do us any good. The agency doesn't give them out. So they become this kind of confusing thing. And the way it used to work is a municipality would ask the agency for a bird sanctuary, (laughs) said that funny, a bird sanctuary. And the agency would say, no, we're not giving you a bird sanctuary. And then they would sue or they would threat to sue and settle out with the agency for a restricted hunting area of some iteration. Uh, The three most recent restricted hunting areas, were the the town of Belle Isle in kind of east of Orlando, the uh, city of Castleberry, the whole city is a restricted hunting area, and Hunter's Lake in Pasco County, which is now a restricted hunting area on some of the canals surrounding the lake. So those are the last three RHAs that were issued by the commission. All three were issued by the commission uh, through Memorandum of Understanding between FWC and those local municipalities. And all three were issued by vote of the commissioners as a consent agenda item. So it did not come up and get discussed or anything else in front of the commission. It was basically like, hey, here's the consent agenda. Everybody say aye or nay, and it voted and passed. So that's where we're at as far as what this rule is. Okay. So, so to get a restricted hunting area today, and again, I'm going to rehash some stuff that you guys probably already know. There are several things you have to do as a municipality. You have to request a restricted hunting area. Uh, There's not a formalized form you fill out or anything like that. You send FWC a thing and said, Hey, we want a restricted hunting area. You provide some legal documents. You have to place signage up around that restricted hunting area. And that signage rule is, is spelled out in the, in the, in the rule that is proposed pretty, pretty clearly. Um, on a lake, for instance, the signs have to be every 500 feet. Uh, you have to hold a public meeting. FWC does not hold the public meeting. The municipality holds the public meeting. So I live in the town of Winterhaven. I've talked about this before. If Winter Haven wanted to become an RHA, they would need to post that they're holding a public meeting on such and such a date. And if you hunt in Winter Haven and you don't live here, you would not be notified of it. Uh, You have to meet a dwelling density rule. You have to have uh, one home per acre, at least one home per acre to meet the requirements to be an RHA. Uh, Any municipality, any municipal government can request an RHA if they so desire. That means a a city, town, county, any, any of those can request an RHA. I'm not sure the water management district can or not. I'm not sure why they couldn't, but I don't think they meet the dwelling density requirement. Um, and then when the RHA is issued, they have to, the, the municipality is responsible for posting the signs, but also for enforcement of the RHA. So want to be very clear about that. It's a thing that creates a lot of confusion. Um, and the agency has worked hard to clear up that confusion. I think it's still going to be confusing because it's confusing now, but... The municipality is responsible for enforcing the RHA, not for enforcing game laws and rules. FWC is not abdicating that, that position of their of their um, authority. I should also say any sworn officer in the state, be it a state trooper, a city police officer, an FWC officer, they can all enforce the laws of the state. So just like an FWC officer could pull you up for speeding if they so chose, uh, and saw you speeding and and did that all the the way they're supposed to do it. a city police officer could pull you over and write you a citation for going over the limit of redfish or ducks or whatever. so that's a that's a myth that's kind of out there. We just need to be very careful about that very clear about that because I it's kind of embarrassing to me sometimes when someone will set it up and say, well, this enforcement thing gets um we we, we don't want a city police officer enforcing duck regulations and I agree with that. We don't want a city police officer enforcing duck regulations. And I think there's going to be confusion around that, but a city police officer already can enforce duck regulations today. So just wanted to, to get that out there as a as a as a baseline set thing. So as the week kind of unfolds, this is where I see this going. Um, tomorrow I want to talk about where's the data for this rule? Why 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 does this rule exist? Where are we going with this rule? Um what's the what's the <laughs> what's the reason? Do we have a, a a a solution in search of a problem? The next day, I want to really camp out for a few minutes on CWAs versus RHAs, critical wildlife areas versus restricted hunting areas. Uh, day four, Thursday, I plan to talk about spatial separation. And then on day five, I'm going to try to put a bow on all this and cover some little one-off issues that I think are significant enough to talk about, but I don't know that they're like the hill I want to die on today, but I do think they are things that we've thought about and consider and they, they bear bringing up again. So thank you guys for hanging with me. I'm at 18 minutes right now. Thank you so much for, 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 digging into this issue with us i hope i do a good job with this i hope you guys find this informative and i hope um, at the end of it we all leave better off for understanding where we are as a state and where we are hopefully going as a hunting community conservation community fishing community across the board so hope everyone has a great evening i'll be back tomorrow and y'all stay woke